0: Shalom, I'm Roots Metals. Hello, I'm Neurotic Jewish Gay. As two Jews on Instagram, we are bombarded with anti-Semitism constantly, so we've learned to cope with it how we know best, with humor.
1: Um, we think we're pretty funny, and we wanted to let you guys in on it, because we're so hilarious.
0: Welcome to our podcast, Do You Wanna Talk Shit? Welcome back. We are doing part two of our Mormon episode. We are talking with McKay from Jordan and McKay. They are a couple of ex-Mormon podcasters slash TikTokers slash YouTubers, I think. Um, okay, so I did all the questions about doctrine and then and JG is going to tackle the rest.
1: So, McKay, the um the next two categories of questions are uh, missionary work, and I always butcher this word. Pros <laughs> roots, can you help me? Proselytizing. Prost- okay, yeah, no, it's a hard word. <laughs> yes, proselytizing. <laughs> <laughs> that's How, okay. <laughs> and then leaving the church. So, the first question, um, is. What training do Mormons receive before their missions?
2: Um, there is There are missionary prep courses that you can take. They're just kind of run of the mill. You just review the kinds of things that you'll be teaching and things like that. But the idea behind the mission is that you're supposed to be preparing from as young as you can, really. So they want you to pay attention in church and to know the doctrine and to receive your own personal testimony before all that happens, before you leave on your mission. Mm-hmm. But it's there's no requirement in any of those fields uh, to go on a mission. Famously, they used to tell people, hey, even if you're unsure, just go on the mission and tell people that you're sure about it. <laughs> and lie for the oh, Lord wow. because in doing so, you will probably... Um, find a testimony of the truthfulness of those things along the way. So I think I was kind of in that camp where I, you know, I went to church all my life and everything like that. Um, But I really drug my feet when it came to going on a mission because it was, Mm -hmm. at at one point I was just like an angsty teenager and I hated (laughs) everything and God and everything like that. So I, I, was kind of resolute on not going. And then after a year of college, I came back around to the idea. Um, And then after that, once you are a missionary, you go to a missionary training center and they kind of give you it all, like the missionary lifestyle that you're supposed to live, all the rules and everything like that before they ship you out to your intended destination.
1: Oh, wow. That's that's like... But they like, you have to get the training, but you also don't need the training.
2: Yeah. So um, (laughs) things have kind of changed uh, since I was a missionary. My Mm. mission was on the tail end of a really big wave of like a big influx of missionaries coming in because they had lowered the required age for men to be down to 18 years old and for women down to 19 years old from 21. Oh, okay. So there was a really big influx of missionaries that suddenly were eligible a lot sooner, and Mm -hmm. they kind of decreased those missionary training center times down. So I was in Guatemala City for six weeks learning what to do as a missionary and how to speak Spanish. And then after those six weeks, I was off to my, uh, my mission in Tegucigalpa, Honduras.
0: Wait, I'm curious about this because I always see the like, they're like, yeah, we learned Spanish or Portuguese or whatever. But like, how much can you learn in six weeks?
2: <laughs> Not a lot. Um, I, I was just there for six weeks and then I got shipped off. I wasn't really comfortable being able to understand things for about six months And I really wasn't comfortable in speaking for about six more months after that. Like I could do it, but my conversations were like just really narrowed down to what I was supposed to be quote unquote teaching people. So any kind of straying from the topic (laughs) ended up being a little more difficult, but.
0: I feel like you can't have like legitimate conversations about like faith and doctrine in that way though. Like how?
2: Yeah, Um, it was more a struggle kind of just to put everybody in a box and understand them in that way because a lot of the people in in Honduras are either evangelical Christian or Catholic. So if I could determine which of the camps they fell in, it was a lot easier to just kind of pull up my vocabulary for those kinds of situations and kind of go off of that. But personable conversations at that point never really happened. Um, But I was really dedicated to learning Spanish, and I was dedicated to making personal connections with people outside of um, my job as a missionary. So it was kind of interesting to see that change over time.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And just out of curiosity, how were you like received there? Were people suspicious or what are they like
2: there was kind of a mix um -hmm. there were a a lot of really kind-hearted people who were just curious about me you know for my height or for my being american or whatever Mm -hmm. so even just that i felt really well respected by a lot of the people and in a lot of cases, I don't think that respect was really deserved right off the bat because of my intended purpose in their yeah. their region. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, honestly, and I was for a lot of the time that during those formative Spanish speaking um, months was in like a lot of really rural areas and the people yeah. there were just so, so kind to me. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I think a lot of people just didn't have an idea of r- what we were doing. Um some yeah. people thought we were CIA agents, which I don't blame <laughs> them. Kind of, I thought that was wild and I was very um I was just very ignorant at the time and I was like, I can't believe that these people think that we're CIA agents. <laughs> I
0: mean, That's really funny.
2: Yeah, I kind of <laughs> learn things. Uh, going forward and you're like oh god yeah that's probably why
1: <laughs> <laughs> um so people is there anything you wanted to add with that or are you cool to go on to the next uh question
2: no we can go on to the next one i'll keep it i there's a lot to talk about so i'll keep it brief
1: um so people are asking how do mormons frame missionary work as not colonialism <laughs>
2: It's easy when the 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 Venn diagram between the religious right and Mormons is almost a, a complete circle, just a single circle. Yeah, because <laughs> a lot of them are unaware or ignorant to the idea that colonialism is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> excuse me. So when you say that missionary work is neocolonialism and things of that nature, you would usually just come back with an answer of, that is just some liberal snowflake bullshit. Colonialism isn't a thing. We're helping people. How could it be a bad thing when we're going and we're helping people there? So. I, at the time, mm-hmm. definitely did not see it that way. I thought, even if I'm not preaching to these people, which in a lot of cases, I I was not so bought into it as a lot of other people were. Um, mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, I can at least go and I can help people. And every chance I got, I would try to um, just help people along. One day we shoveled two cubic meters of wet sand to help out a family who was building a house and i thought that was a good thing obviously and i didn't ever try to preach to them because they were pretty obviously not interested but um yeah seeing those kinds of things and just kind of excusing them as oh we're just trying to help people kind of are part of the problem because you are but the alt the overarching motive behind helping people is to be able to get in establish a relationship and to be able to teach them about mormonism and ultimately get them baptized
0: yeah
1: that makes sense
0: yeah that's like a take i've seen from um i guess like ex-evangelicals and in in my youtube adventures um because like okay so i feel like because i'm jewish and like jewish people what we've done is like resist these like attempts at conversion um i just never thought of anyone thinking of colonialism as a good thing but then these people are saying like oh they were taught that it was a good thing because it brought the gospel to those people and i'm like what um just such a i don't know just not my worldview ever so it's very weird to
2: yeah it's it's kind of interesting and i think a lot of people even in the ex-mormon spaces don't kind of deconstruct that idea because so they're like oh we went and we helped build the house and well you are unskilled at that particular activity <laughs> and there are people there who are well able and bodied to or well able-bodied to be able to perform that work yeah why getting in the way like it's kind of infantilizing to think that they can't do it they absolutely (laughs) can. they're just they've been oppressed their society is crumbled because of american involvement in one shape way shape or form there's a lot of things like it's you know if they weren't there it would still get done just send the money (laughs) and it would be fine
1: (laughs) right yeah legit (laughs) i feel like I never even thought about things like that with missionary work. Like, I just thought, like, it's preaching, but that actually does make sense. It's, like, helping build houses and doing all that shit yeah. that's you're probably bad at and it's unnecessary. Yeah, totally. do, you, do you think, like, American exceptionalism kind of comes into that? Like,
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's... It is It is wild. <laughs> and there's been uh, instances where they, like, within the, the missionary kind of, it's kind of like a government where even mm-hmm. the actual missionaries kind of take part in it. And <laughs> excuse me, they kind of all, they report to a mission president for any particular reason or any particular region.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And... There have been current LDS apostles who say that there need to be at least one white American um, assistant to the president, which is the highest um, leadership position that a missionary can have. And it's like, dude, why would that (laughs) be the case? Especially when the mission president is from the United States, would it not be more advantageous to have two missionaries who are from the same region being the assistant to the, the mission president. So I think that kind of stuff really plays into it a lot. And why I still think that missionaries are sent to other countries when in a lot of cases, like in Central America, the the missionary uh, program is probably self-sustaining there, but they have this idea that of LDS, American white exceptionalism, that these missionaries still need to go to these other places for one reason or another.
1: Sorry. Um, Are you cool to go on to the next question, or is there anything else you wanted to add regarding colonialism and mission work? Cool, cool. Um, So are Mormons taught to target Jews specifically?
2: That one, I really couldn't answer they never said anything to us specifically um but i did not ever encounter anybody who's jewish in honduras so Mm-mm.
0: yeah I, i'm from central america there's like three jews there so
2: <laughs> total and they're related right
0: yeah yeah,
2: yeah. So, yeah so it's from for um, me anecdotally i never heard that I would like to see what it's like in other regions. I know that there's, there's a big Jewish population in New York, so maybe it would be a different conversation with uh, New, New York City serving missionaries. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that they would specifically target Jewish people. I feel like they would kind of try to shy away from it just because um, probably a lot of personal... Experience of missionaries who were there in trying to talk to Jewish people, and they're obviously not receptive because there's a lot of Mormonism that is just offensive. So,
1: yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah,
2: I, but yeah, in the, there's no specific rules or anything regarding Jewish people. The only thing that I saw them explicitly talk about was when you're teaching people who are Muslim. But other than that, nothing.
1: That's really interesting. What did they
0: Yeah, what did I, I, say about go. them? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I think you just have to you have to get permission from higher ups for that. I think it is regarding to when people convert away from Islam. Mm-hmm. But obviously I don't have a lot of knowledge about those things and i think there's a lot of pr- propaganda that surrounds anti-muslim propaganda that surrounds that process so yeah hard to say. yeah i'm
0: sure there's like a lot of racism and islamophobia
2: yeah yeah that's
0: an adventure i
2: guess yeah you would be correct honestly that <laughs> is, it it gets bad
1: yeah um so the next question is kind of related to the last, but <laughs> um, it says, I am Jewish and woman missionaries won't leave me alone. What should I tell them?
2: That is like a super hard question because of the nature of how the missionaries operate. Mm-hmm. You could have any given, like just a certain set of missionaries in your area. For six weeks, and then the following six weeks, it's an entirely new pair of missionaries. So if you tell the first (laughs) set of missionaries, don't come back here or we're going to have a problem, they might make a mental note of it and they'll never go back to your place. But then the next set Mm -hmm. of missionaries goes in. And they yeah. have no idea what these other guys said because it's a bunch of 18 and 19 year olds who are <laughs> a bunch of dumbasses. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I was included. Like they don't make any sort of note of it, and the next set goes in and they just randomly knock on your door and
0: what if what <laughs> if you put up a no soliciting sign?
2: You could. Um <laughs> I a just a little story from my sole experience with that. After I returned home from my mission, the missionaries in my area where my parents live, um, one of them had some issues and he ended up returning home early. And the one missionary that was left over, they didn't have a replacement companion for him. And you have to have a companion. So I volunteered to go and proselytize with him and knock doors. And in this area, we knocked on a door. It said no soliciting. And we were like, well... That sign's not going to stop me because I can't read. (laughs) And we knocked on the door anyway. And, oh, no, I think we we didn't even knock on the door. We were just walking up, and the guy was in his front room watching TV, and he hopped up so fast and kind of just opened (laughs) up the door. And on the storm door was where the the sign led, and he just pointed to it with his foot real quick, and he slammed the door. (laughs) So um, I think that would be a good deterrent. Maybe a cool little one on Etsy that says like, uh, no soliciting, not even, I don't even want to hear about your God or something like that. That would probably work. Um, but yeah, that, that would probably be my best suggestion because when it comes down to those individual missionaries, they're just, they are trying to take on the world. And Mm -hmm. if nobody has expressed and they have ways of keeping records, but a, you don't know if it's been kept up to date and B it's a toss up if they're going to actually look to that for like places not to go. So yeah, that would probably be my best suggestion. (laughs) It's the sticker.
1: Yeah. Um, Or the sign. Yeah. Maybe like a big beware of dog sign. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Um is there anything else about missionary work you want to talk about? Because we just finished up like the second set of questions. No, you hit on a lot uh,
2: of a lot of good things that I wanted to talk about.
1: Cool, cool. Um so on to leaving the church. Um what was the hardest part of leaving the church?
2: Um, it is the navigating family dynamics. For sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Far and away, because both of our families, except for Jordan's dad, because Jordan's parents are split up, are all still devout Mormons. Um, Yeah. So we don't have a lot of experience with other people who have, I mean, we virtually have no experience with people in our own families that have left Mormonism and how that has looked. So really it's been kind of just trial and error being able to navigate yeah. uh, those relationships because it is a central tenet of these people's lives in a lot of cases. Like they go to church every Sunday, they go to the temple every Friday. They, you know, they have meetings in the middle of the week. Like it takes up a lot of their time. So to remove that and say, "Hey, we can't talk about this because it's a sensitive subject for us." It mm-hmm. creates a lot of tension. We've been able to find a middle ground with a lot of people and we're open yeah. to, you know, dialogue and things of that nature. But being able to find where we can draw the boundaries and everything like that has been super difficult. Um,
1: yeah, I can imagine.
2: Yeah. And and then there's also, I mean, going one step further with us is what we do on the internet. <laughs> Yeah, a really big hurdle for them. Um I mean some of the TikToks that we've done if you'd asked me 3 or 4 years ago, I thought I would have been struck by lightning for doing <laughs> uh, Yeah. So that has been um kind of really uh difficult for family members and friends who have stumbled across the stuff that we do so yeah
0: wow i was i was actually thinking um since i've you know learned all this stuff about mormonism that i didn't know before like the whole idea of like um if you're like a good mormon like your whole family if your whole family is a good mormon then you're all going to be together forever in heaven um i feel like that's like kind of how they maintain control over so many people. Um, because if like, if someone leaves the church, it's not just on them. It like affects the entire family. Like you're not going to be together anymore. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh, that is really, that was a really big hurdle for me when we were first leaving, because I was like, how do I tell my family this? Because we're all sealed together. Like with Jordan's, family, it's a little different because she wasn't sealed to her mother because her mom and her dad, they were different religions. So she was not sealed to her mother or anything like that. But with my family, my entire family is sealed to me. And my son was also sealed to us because he was born to us after we had gotten sealed. So he's the only grandchild. How do we tell them that not only are we gone, but the only grandchild of the whole family is also gone with us. Like it's a pretty heavy, yeah, thing to be telling people because that is like an eternal consequence. Like there's no, un- unless we were to go back and do it all over again, there is no coming back from that. Like we are going to be cut off essentially, and like the rhetoric rhetoric is that you can go to a lower kingdom and you can um you can like visit those who didn't make the right choices or whatever but we are not going to be exalted we're not going to be together forever or, or whatever like that but i'm trying to push it all the way i want to ex- exclude myself from that i want to be cast out into outer darkness so we'll see how it pans out
0: <laughs> yeah i know that yeah uh, um could you like just because most of our listeners are Jewish. Could you explain what being sealed means?
2: So being sealed, and I, I'm coming to realize that maybe this is, we're not, it's not even an original idea, <laughs> is um, more than just being married. So when you get married, it's for civil purposes, right? You get married and you have permission from the state to do that and whatever, at least here in the United States. But being sealed is to be wed for time and all eternity according to God's laws. So it goes beyond just the laws of the land and everything like that, but you're sealed and your children are sealed to you and you're sealed to your parents and everything like that. And the idea is that you need to be sealed in order to reach exaltation, which is becoming like God. And that's where that idea of Mormons getting their own planet and having their own spirit children and everything kind of comes from, even though that idea has kind of been, uh, it's being swept down the memory hole as well.
1: Mm. That's crazy. That's-
2: yeah. Is there any other questions uh- regarding that? I, it's kind of an odd concept, but if there's any clarification that you would want, then I'm happy to um, answer.
1: I mean, I don't know if this is just like with being sealed, but does the church ever get involved like when other people leave the church? Because I know in like some other religions, like you'll become like a um, suppressive person, I think it's called, or you'll become like your family is not allowed to see you anymore because you're a bad person because you've left the church. Is there anything um, like that in Mormonism? I don't.
2: Not expressly. No. Um, There are a lot of people who, when you decide to leave the church will cut you off indefinitely Mm -hmm. because they don't want to associate with people who live in sin yeah, or are apostates because they don't want that to influence them or the people that are in their lives. Mm-hmm. So that that's not really like a church doctrine per se. It's kind of derived from the idea that, y- you know, you're supposed to avoid the appearance of evil. So if there yeah. is a person who could be deemed as evil, a lot of people will just cut them out of their lives or anything of the sort. So... It's kind of hard to say yes or no. That's where the idea of like you're getting cut off from your sealed family comes into play because Mm -hmm. it is kind of like an eternal form of shunning. Like you're going to not be with them. You're going to live with the shame for the rest of eternity that you're not with them. So it's. It's not as hardcore as the Scientologists, but, um, yeah. <laughs> in a way it's still pretty sinister.
1: Absolutely. Um, are you ready to go on to the next question or is there anything else you wanted to add or
0: roots you wanted to add? Um, I guess, no, like, I just think that that whole thing is like a main example of how Mormonism is a cult because yeah. it. There's just so much like coercion. I feel like just because you're literally gonna like shame your whole family, basically, if you leave.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. you're you're dishonoring everybody, kind of in a way. And like when you're born into it, and you're most likely, if you're being sealed in the temple, you're most likely born into it. It is like generations, in a lot of cases, generations of family that you're disappointing. So,
0: yeah, like, That's, like, that's, a, that's a heavy thing to put on someone.
2: <laughs> yeah, for yeah. for real, especially when, with the idea that, you know, there's an afterlife and a spirit world and they're aware of things that are going on with us like to think about to still kind of believe in the, the Mormon ideas and things like that. You're like, wow, these people are in spirit paradise and I'm probably ruining their day because I'm not going to, I'm choosing to not be with them anymore. Wow.
1: That's yeah, no, that's definitely a lot. Um, were there any specific red flags that made you leave the church?
2: Um, the, the polygamy and the racism aspects were really, really hard to overcome.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I, I mean, those, those two were not, I was not able to uh, overcome those because when I was a missionary, I was, people were like, oh, all the, the wives of Joseph Smith. And I was under the impression that Joseph Smith was not even involved in polygamy. And I was wrong. Yeah. Um, that was one of those situations where I really didn't have any physical material to be able to research that. So I just didn't know about it. Mm-hmm. And then um, once I found out about that, they don't really talk about the, the priesthood ban on uh, people who are black and them not being able to enter the temple because it's obviously a pretty terrible thing. So when I really kind of learned about it and how they were excluded for like 125 years, it was like irreconcilable. Like how could this happen? I thought that they were doing it because of, um, oh, social pressure or whatever surrounding um, civil rights and everything like that. But then come to find out that there was prophets who were adamantly like against interracial marriage and talking about mm-hmm. how if you were to have a ch- like relations with a, a person of color that you would lose your priesthood and all of this <laughs> just absolute wow. terrible stuff so that was one yeah. of the big things and then at the beginning we kind of talked about what uh the issues that Jordan had
1: mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah no I didn't realize that would be a question but Um, yeah. (laughs) Um, when did you first, wait, you're ready to go on to the next question or is there anything else?
2: No, I'll keep it. I'll keep it short for that one.
1: Okay. Um, when did you first realize Mormon doctrine slash culture was anti-Semitic and how did that affect your relationship with the church?
2: That honestly did not come until after we left the Mm -hmm. church. Um, Just because of not really knowing. Um, The first instance um, that I can remember of when I realized, oh, a lot of the stuff that we do and did was not okay um, was when we were doing YouTube. I think I I remembered using uh, or calling somebody a Pharisee because they were... um, a real stickler for like Mormon orthodoxy and stuff like that. And somebody had commented and said, Hey, could you not say that? That's, you know, it, you're taking a term that is, you know, used Mm -hmm. as a respectful thing and you're using it kind of as like a dig at somebody. It's kind of, it gives anti-Semitic, undertones to it so i was like yeah. i had no idea because that's something that we would say all the time especially as missionaries so just kind of yeah. little things like that and then going on and learning um you know just more that i've learned about jewish culture and history um just kind of seeing whoa okay yeah. that <laughs> is not okay or we're totally just taking <laughs> that and running with it um the Holy of Holies, which was not a thing that I even really knew about until after I was um, an ex-Mormon and being like, they really took that from the tabernacle or the Temple of Solomon and they just made it their own thing. They, It it was yeah. just wild to me.
0: That's why <laughs> I said it was like temple fan fiction.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, right. And I they, feel like that they would try to kind of shoehorn all of these these things about the mormon temple into the stuff that you read about the tabernacle and things like that and it was just looking back on it now and the mental gymnastics that it requires to be like yeah this stuff comes from the ancient israelites when they were Mm -hmm. you know in the arabian peninsula is just (laughs) blows my mind (laughs)
0: Yeah, I I was talking to Jordan and um she was telling me even in like ex-Mormon circles, you know, there's like they talk about racism and all this other stuff, but they don't really talk about like the cultural appropriation from Jews, which makes sense because um you know, everyone talks That's about us, they- but no one talks to us. So yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I was not surprised when she said that. Like I feel yeah. like Um, the average Mormon probably would have no idea about any of this.
2: Not even a little bit. No, I, even just recently in the town that we used to live in, that's not too far from us. Um, they, there was a church sponsored, um, basically they recreated the tabernacle and everything like that, where they set it up in this, this big courtyard of a church building, and you could go and do tours of the tabernacle as it would have been. I think it was called, like, they called it the tabernacle experience. And I honestly am kind of disappointed that we didn't go. <laughs> we didn't have anybody to watch the kid at the time. So, yeah, um, Yeah. just kind of things like that where they would, or hosting Passover Saders and, and things like that oh, were just, yeah. really, just really insensitive.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel like as well, like with racism, with like the racism, it's so in your face. But I feel like just with the anti-Semitism, like especially with like the cultural appropriation, it's more of like not a microaggression, but just that it's not as in your face. I think
0: I think it's more insidious. And I also think it's harder. It's harder for people to catch because um, so much of, like, literally Western society is built on the appro- appropriation of Jewish culture. Um, so it's like if people don't even recognize it in, like, everyday everyday life, they're not going to even realize it's a thing within Mormonism.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But that's you know that's my view on it, and
2: especially here, like in the West and things like that. I mean, growing up, we would there's a lot of like Yiddish little things that make it their way into American language that is just commonplace that you don't even Mm -hmm. realize are like Jewish culture, language, and things like that.
1: Yeah. Um so are you ready to the next question kind of like flows from this um how can we assist in reducing slash combating anti-semitism in the lds church
2: Ooh, that is definitely (laughs) a tough one and uh, as i mentioned before it's kind of difficult because it's the same crowd that is like cultural appropriation doesn't exist it's in a lot of cases, they would probably argue that it's an appreciation of Jewish culture and Mm -hmm. um, tradition because they, at least at at face value in a lot of cases, claim to hold um, Jewish people in such high esteem. Um, But, I mean, it's hard to believe when in the same breath they would be like, yeah, the Jews are the absolute worst people in <laughs> on the worst planet of all of God's creations that they would be able to kill Jesus. Like that's yeah. not even. Wait, is that all. a thing? So, yeah, I think it kind of comes from that. Uh, what we had talked about earlier with Ezra Taft Benson saying that it was a, a punishment for the hol- uh, for killing of Jesus. So wow. yeah, wild times. Um, I I, I don't really know how you would be able to um, kind of root out that anti-Semitism because a lot of it just comes from ignorance. And uh, and that's kind of perpetuated because they don't want to.
0: When I did my post, there was this Jewish person, unfortunately, who was like literally doing backflips to try to. Argue with me that Mormon doctrine is not anti Semitic. And I was like, it literally says that right there. Um, but there, there's always Jews that like bend over backwards just to like not see anti Semitism. Um, so mm-hmm. it was, it was one of the most frustrating conversations mm-hmm. I've ever had on my Instagram ever.
2: Yeah, I yeah. can uh, imagine Jordan. I remember we were in the car, and Jordan was like, "Oh my God, she's gonna have to turn off comments because some of these people are going." <laughs> i
0: I've, I've honestly.
2: I thought he was a Mormon apologist. I was no, like, I thought so done? too.
0: And he was he was linking to like Mormon sources, and I'm like, Mormon <laughs> sources are not gonna admit that they're anti-Semitic. Like, what what are you doing? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm. I I don't even. I don't know. I ended up like restricting them because I was like, I can't talk to you anymore.
2: I can't do this. Honestly, that that was really shocking to me because I was like, this guy isn't a Mormon apologist, and he's just dick writing. <laughs> like, Listen,
0: if you if you know I don't think anything, that's ever
2: happened before.
0: <laughs> if you know anything about like jewish like culture on social media there's always people that like will just fucking do anything to like justify anti-semitism yeah that's
2: <laughs> I just could not believe it
0: I, we call them I we call I- them as a jews because they will like come into like the comments and be like as a jew this this is not anti-semitic <laughs> because this and this and that so and he was All one right. of those
2: <laughs> yeah I don't know I th- I think uh, There is also Especially here In the United States I think people Even in the secular world Have just kind of Become complacent When it comes to Anti-Semitism Semitism, Because Apparently The Holocaust Happened So long ago That it can't How be long yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So long
0: ago Yeah Should be over it Yeah Because Because <laughs> the Holocaust Was the only genocide In our history And we have not been Persecuted since Yeah. After that,
2: everybody was like, "Okay, we need to let up. It's it's time to oppress other people." And and (laughs) after that,
0: yeah. When I okay, so when I was arguing with this guy, actually, he's. I was like, like, if they wanted to change the doctrine, they could just say that they had a revelation or whatever, and change it. and i'm like literally the catholic church changed it in like 1965 like how can you be more anti-semitic than the catholic church please explain this to me
2: so oh man that <laughs> when you put it in perspective like that like it does literally not look good.
0: how how is the catholic church ahead of the game here
2: yeah, i know <laughs> like, Historically, the least behind the curve or the most behind the curve church is a literally that I'm talking about right now. <laughs>
1: um. So, yeah, this question goes away from anti-Semitism, but um, have you and Jordan been able to find community since you've left the church?
2: Um. It's kind of a a hard question actually because we live here in Utah Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of ex-Mormons and things like that, which is good, but we're also just total loners. So we kind of find (laughs) community where we can. We've created our own community with uh, the people who subscribe and follow us on YouTube and other socials. Um, We have Mm -hmm. a really awesome Discord full of people who are like never Mormons and ex Mormons and just kind of run the gamut as far as mm-hmm. that is concerned. And I think that has been our best uh, community because the ex Mormon community on TikTok, especially, which is where we saw it the worst and even bleeds over into Reddit and things like that is really hit or miss with a lot of, um, especially when it comes to like uh, the subject of antisemitism or, Racism, because a lot of us have been part and privy to that our entire lives without even knowing. And you have to be confronted with a um, an uncomfortable situation in order to start that mm-hmm. deconstruction process. And especially when it comes to anti-Semitism and uh, like Jewish tradition and culture, like especially here in Utah, you're not ever confronted with that in a lot of cases, like. You mostly just find Jewish people, or not Jew, uh, Mormon people, Jack Mormon people, ex Mormons, and then some evangelical Christian people. But other Wait, what's that,
0: Jack Mormon people?
2: Jack Mormon people are, <laughs> it's kind of an interesting uh, term, but it's usually described someone who is Mormon, is still a member, has their names on the roll, and everything like that. But does not live up to the statutes of Mormonism, or even in a lot of cases, attend church meetings or anything like that. But they will go hard for Joseph Smith and Brigham <laughs> and all that, even if they are inebriated.
0: Why? Wow.
2: I have no idea. And I think <laughs> that comes up and it brings up this conversation of which is just totally idiotic, in my opinion of, oh, are Mormons an ethno-religion? Like, even oh, these no. people who are not uh, living up to the Mormon standards are willing to defend it because of their families and things like that.
0: Yeah, yeah to that be an amazing. ethno-religion, you have to be an ethnic group.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, that's why I was like, how is this even a conversation? And people were fighting over it. I was like, oh, my God, you guys, come on. How? This is where you need to deconstruct because that,
0: yeah. Yeah. So
2: when it comes to communities, it it can be kind of hit or miss. Luckily we have some great friends who (laughs) have been with us since our high school days. So Mm -hmm. we've got some people to hold on to and our awesome community.
0: That's good. I feel like it'd be just really, could be really isolating to leave the church, especially if your whole family's in it.
2: Yeah. And, um, It's funny because we, I mean, we have our differences with our own families, um, but we're wanting to move back to be closer with them out of here because that is the better alternative to being surrounded by it (laughs) constantly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That sucks though. Utah is like really pretty. Joseph Smith should have made New Jerusalem there.
2: (laughs) I know. He he really bungled <laughs> it. Honestly, in a lot of cases, like, it does kind of suck because it's it's like a desert out here. But there's a lot of good good geography and uh, yeah, that nature.
0: Mm-hmm. Like no offense to Missouri, like my dog is from Missouri, but
1: so is Mrs. NJG's. <laughs> Wait, her dog is?
0: Yeah. Oh my god, isn't her dog like a Yorkie?
1: No, he's a. Sheepoo. I thought he looked like Simba. No, that's my brother's dog.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Simba. <laughs> Simba's from Missouri. I was going to say maybe they were cousins, but I guess not.
1: Maybe,
2: yeah. Ask the Mormons. They probably got a record on that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Records of Simba.
0: <laughs> someday <laughs> on the podcast I'll tell you the story of how I got Simba
1: no I oh yeah we need
0: to wait talk about that. did I tell you already yeah you told me <laughs> <laughs> on the fucking internet like it's prime <laughs> before I knew better
1: <laughs> um what was that uh McKay, do you have any questions for us?
2: Oh, man. That's a hard one because I don't know what I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, not <laughs> no worries cases. if you don't. It was just on here.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's, I mean, there's a ton. Oh, Jordan is saying uh, we address them all from IG, from Instagram.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Oh, she had one that she's going to pull up right now that she had a question on. But yeah, it's uh, it's kind of been a process because, um, I mean, a lot that you learn about Jewish culture and tradition and things like that come from Mormon people who study it. So it's like a, mm-hmm. a secondhand thing. And then they still choose to hold on to these anti-Semitic ideas and, and things like that. Yeah. So it's kind of hard navigating what can be trusted of that. And if I have the correct information Um, Mm -hmm. but we've been learning a lot Uh, there's a lot of um, people in our discord who are Jewish or uh, uh, one person in particular I can think of that their uh, partner is Jewish and I've learned a lot just from that which has been really great Um, Mm -hmm. and just hearing it from the mouth of other people who can be trusted is just a, a nice, refreshing thing. A uh, change of pace, yeah. really.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, like I said, so much of, like, Jewish stuff doesn't even come from us. Um, Not just with Mormons in general, but just, like, everything. Because we're, like, actually such a tiny minority. Yeah. Like,
2: yeah, very small. I've noticed, and I mean, I I always think of like the Mormon Church as being a tiny minority, but
0: there's there's literally more people registered Mormons than Jews in the whole planet. Really? Yep.
2: Okay, that I didn't know. Yeah. Well, and that number that you're probably citing is probably way more than. than oh yeah, but
0: it's like sixteen million or something, and we're like, oh wow, we're like fourteen, maybe fifteen million.
2: Wow, and I didn't that, realize that it was that yeah. few. I thought it was so much more.
0: Every everyone does because, like, like, we're talked about so much.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: but we're like zero point two percent of the world population.
2: But is that just like practicing Jew? No, nope.
0: just sure? like any because to be Jewish, like
2: even ethnic.
0: Yeah, it's just ethnic Jews, quote unquote. the the ah. re, The reason, like, the number is not a set number, is because. That would, um, that would be like if you include because the Jewish law says if your mom is a Jew, you're a Jew, no matter what you believe. Yeah. Um, but there's like certain subsets of Jews that accept Jews who's like who are like patrilineal Jews, so like their dad is Jewish. Um, so that's why the number is like not really like a set number.
2: Wow. I guess I never, that kind of explains why I only knew a handful of people out West.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the U S has the largest Jewish population outside of Israel in the world. So.
2: Wow. Okay. Yeah, That's that's crazy. I figured there was a lot just in other places of the country, but
0: no, I mean like there's, (laughs) there was once a lot in Europe, no longer. Um, uh, there's, the biggest communities in, like, Latin America are Mexico and Argentina, I'm almost positive. Um, like, I am I grew up in Costa Rica. Costa Rica has, like, maybe 3,000 Jews. Nothing.
2: Oh, wow. Um, yeah.
0: There's a decent
1: community in Australia. I don't know how many, but there's...
0: <sighs> My uncle lives in Australia. The... <laughs> I think yeah, I've told you. I
1: don't know. Um, yeah, no, you told me he... Yeah, I don't know how many, but I feel like I feel like it might be in the hundreds of thousands. But that's the the population of Australia is also much smaller. Yeah, here. Um, and I know there's a lot of Jews in South Africa.
0: Yeah. But yeah, um, there used to there used to be a lot of Jews in the Middle East and North Africa. All got kicked out. Um. So.
2: <laughs> there yeah. it is. Yep. Jordan had a, a question from Instagram, which was, "Um, what can ex-Mormon slash people do to help tackle the anti-Semitism within Mormonism issue?"
0: I would say, first of all, like actually listen to Jews, um, because like just how we were talking just now. Um, there's so much about Jews, but very little of it coming from us. So I, I feel like that's like step one. Like, I feel like you have to tackle your own anti-Semitism because I feel it's my opinion that everyone has some anti-Semitism in them just because of the way that like, it's such a foundation of white supremacy. It's such a foundation of like our entire world really at least like the western world and um like the middle east and north africa so i would say like you i feel like you have to tackle it within you before you even start um addressing you know the whole mormon church especially since you know i don't think like an average joe is gonna like go in and like change it yeah
2: yeah
1: um I think roots covered everything. I think there's a start, like death, like making a note. Like I remember you were saying you'll have um with missionaries, you'll have two missionaries, and then six weeks later you'll have another one. And I think if you have like a Jewish person saying like please, like do not like come here ever again, <laughs> it's probably important to make a note because just yeah. because of, you know the history of that. Um, yeah, I think that's,
0: but yeah, there's like, it's just anti-Semitism is so insidious and there's like layers upon layers upon layers to like even start to understand. Um, and, but if you would listen to like, I'm sure, I don't know if you've heard this, but like, for example, Jews are 2% of the American population and we are the victims of Around 60% of all religiously motivated hate crimes, that's like super disproportionate. Like, that's outrageously disproportionate. And you don't really hear about it because Mm -hmm. you're not hearing about Jewish stuff from Jews. Yeah. So I think it just starts there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I feel like, in a lot of senses, it's just like the white American. Exceptionalism where you don't hear about it until it's like absolutely like a heinous crime. Like, with the um, I, I think it was just this year, there was a synagogue that was being held hostage, yeah, or something
1: like in Colleyville. Like, I think. It,
2: it wasn't even the day of that we heard about it, <laughs> it was, yeah, like a couple like a day or two after that we started seeing anything about it. So mm-hmm. We live in a day and age where, you know, white Christians are at the forefront of everything until they're trying to paint a target on somebody. Yeah. You know, it it comes up with anti-Semitism and racism and things of that nature. So, yeah, it's definitely hard to see. Um But once you start seeing it, I feel like it you realize that it's just everywhere like once you realize that conspiracy theories are almost always rooted in antiSemitism it you can't ever shake it. you yeah. always see that
1: yeah I think the other thing about antiSemitism, just like not for Mormons but just for anyone, is that it comes from like the left and the right, yep, um, and a lot of
0: people miss that
2: yeah um, I've yeah. seen it in a lot of like leftist
0: yeah yeah where- it's it's I feel like it's usually more out in the open from the right um yeah <laughs> which is like <laughs> at some points you're just like you almost have more respect for that because if you're just going to be an anti semite just like oh I do just I it with your whole counter chest counter- you know <laughs> Yeah, yeah right um <laughs> but it's very very hard for people um to, like, even re- – like, so much of – like, historically, so much of, like, Jewish persecution was framed as, like, a righteous thing to do. As, like, this is activist work. This is progressive. This is forward thinking. Mm-hmm. And we see the same thing happening today. And it's very frustrating because these people don't see it. And it's because they don't understand anti-Semitism. And because they don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And because because like our voices get really drowned out because there's like so many of everyone else and f- so few of us.
2: hmm Yeah. Totally.
1: Um, is there anything else we didn't cover?
2: No, I think that's a good, uh, a good summary. I mean, there's, you could, I could talk about it for <laughs> <an> hours. <laughs> But uh, I'll let everybody else get on with their day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much, McKay, for coming on G Wanna Talk Shit. Um, We want to ask if there's anything of yours that you would like us to promote.
2: Honestly, we have our YouTube channel that we do. It is called Jordan and McKay. You can just go to Jordan or YouTube.com slash Jordan and McKay. We are also we put our normal episodes on our post our podcast called Embracing Apostasy with Jordan and McKay. It's the same exact stuff that you get on YouTube. But if you go over to YouTube, we do weekly live streams. It's a good time. So we've got that. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Jordan and McKay on both of those platforms, but other than that, that's that's usually about it.
0: Cool. Thank you so much for coming. So- this was really thank cool.
2: You, yeah, this yeah, was a, a great so experience. Much. Obviously, we wish uh, that Jordan could be in here, but
0: I know I love he her voice.
2: The toddler, so <laughs>
0: like she really has a great voice, like in a non creepy <laughs> way. Like
2: <laughs> I am really jealous because my my voice is especially bad right now just because of being sick. But uh, yeah, everybody loves her. Everybody calls her the ex Mormon, Jenner marbles. (laughs) Shout out to the old YouTubers.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, she's, she's great. Um, Yeah. Thank you. Um, And eat shit. Mormonism.
2: Eat shit. (laughs) We Wanna Talk Shit is hosted by Roots Metals and Neurotic Jewish Gay, produced by Zev Herwich. Thanks to our special guest, McKay, and to you the listener.